are part of our service, we have asked them to share a little bit about their journey um, with Christ and also why they're choosing to join the church at this time. Hi, I'm Sarah. Um, I grew up in the church. My dad was a, a Brother in Christ pastor in Sealands Grove. Um, and a couple years ago, probably about 10 years ago, the, the church closed. Um, so he had to transfer his membership up here, and that's when we started coming. Um, so it's been about 10 years that I've been a part of this church, and it's just been a, a, an incredible blessing to me. So. My name's Adam. Um, I uh, came here, uh, went to school at Messiah as a freshman, but uh, my spiritual journey started when I was eight. Um, my parents divorced, and I was kind of looking for a spiritual father. Uh, my uh, child care teacher at the time kind of stepped in and really said, you know, uh, God's there for you all the time. He'll never let you down. Always there for you in the times of struggle if you're ever alone. So that kind of got me to Christ. And then, um, like I said, I went to Messiah, met Sarah, uh, eventually married her, and got uh, approved by the Kelly family. So... Uh, <laughs> But uh, yeah, now I'm happy to call HBIC my home church, and uh, thank you guys for welcoming us. We're uh, a part with the young adults group, which has really welcomed us in and got us connected, so. I have some super duper certificates for you both. Um, if you guys just want to extend a hand real quick, and I just want to pray for them, I think we should be excited when young people pledge not just their life to you know, God, but pledge membership to church. You know, In our culture, we don't want membership to anything, but they're saying this is their home, this is their family, and I think that's a wonderful thing. So just reach out your hand, and we'll just pray for them. Um, Father God, I thank you so much for Adam and Sarah. I thank you for their willingness to follow you. Um, I thank you for their journeys apart, but I also thank you for their journey together, and I thank you for the young people that they are. And I thank you that they're part of your great work, and I just pray that you continue to bless them and guide them and give them strength and help them to usher in your kingdom. We thank you for this body and not only growing in members today, but growing in young people who are willing to stand up and say, I belong to you, I belong to the church, and I want to live in love for your glory. Lord, bless the barons. Thank you so much for Adam and Sarah. And um, just continue to be their guide and their, the love of their lives as they grow in love with each other as well. In your holy and precious name, amen. If you guys just give my hand, welcome. Last time I was up here, this light was a big problem. I was real sweaty. So I got some backup. I also brought some water because I get a little fired up up here. So we'll see. Um, good morning, church. Uh, as always, I'm very grateful to be with you all this morning. You know, what it, as I was getting ready this week, two things I was thinking of, and it took a lot to get out, but these two things were, what a blessing it is to gather as a family. You know, week in and week out, we come together to sing and to pray. We come together to laugh and to cry, to shout and to listen, to praise and to worship, to celebrate and to lament to study and to learn, to fellowship and to commune, and to in all things give God all the glory that's due his name. Amen? Amen? You know, if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to a very familiar passage. This morning we'll be reading and learning from Proverbs chapter 3. Now, for those of you who are Sunday school all-stars, you might still know these verses by heart. For the rest of us, you can read them in your Bible. We'll read them up front. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. Now that's a little bit different than some of you might remember. It's probably slightly different from what some of your Bibles might say. But don't worry. Remember, we learned that a few weeks ago, right? That we shall not worry. That we are not called to worry, but to trust God. Amen? So don't worry. Do not worry. I acknowledge 
you know, that we will get to all that in a little bit. Also in preparation for this week's message, I was reminded of a very famous story in Liberia. Now this is a story made famous because it's as much a part of that country's history as it is really a part of my own family's heritage. You see, this is a story that was passed down verbally to most of the children of my family, the ones who would listen anyway. This is a story that I felt compelled to share this morning because I think it gets to the heart of the Brethren in Christ core value we're going to be focusing on this morning, the core value of relying on God. And what a joy it is to know this morning that a story from a boy from Liberia is now as much a part of the culture and the heritage of the Brethren in Christ, the culture and the heritage of sisters and brothers across the Atlantic Ocean and right here in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania this morning. See, one of the blessings of being the body of Christ, being sisters and brothers together, is that my story is really our story together, amen? And even greater than that, my story, your stories, our story, our story is all part of God's story, amen? You know, the original teller of my story this morning, she used to say all the time, in true grandmother's fashion, you know what that means in true grandmother's fashion? I'll tell you. See, the matriarchs, the mothers and grandmothers, the aunties and elder cousins in my family, they were all great storytellers, and they also had great wisdom. See, when they would tell you something, boy, you need to be excellent in school. In our family, we are excellent. You know, are my favorite. Boy, when I say jump, don't ask me how high. You better be on the way down asking me, was that high enough? Our matriarchs had great wisdom, right? You see, but this great wisdom, even if you were hearing it for the 177th time, you were expected to receive that wisdom with appreciation of such a magnitude, almost as if it was the first time you heard it, and as if it was the greatest thing you would ever hear that day. So in true grandmother's fashion... The original teller of the story this morning, Mother Vic. Mother Vic would always tell us, you know why they call it history, child? And it didn't matter if this was the first time you were hearing it. It didn't matter if this was the 170th time, 77th time that day you were hearing it. The answer was always, no, Mother Vic, why? And then she would say, they call it history because history, son, is his story. Boom. History is his story, son. Mind blown, as the kids would say. Or if you're a rapper, you would just drop the mic because that line was so good. History is his story, son. History is God's story. For the first or for the 177th time, when you heard that, you had to be amazed because it was the greatest thing you would hear that day. History is really his story, amen? See, I grew up knowing this. This was part of the great wisdom and heritage that was passed down in our family. So when I got to seminary a few years back, and professors and writers and teachers and classmates started talking about what here we in the West, what theologians call the meta-narrative, the big story. The idea that God is indeed writing his story throughout history. The idea that God is working, even if we don't see it at all, is a part of God's story. All I can do is smile and say, huh, Mother Vic was on to this some 30, 40 years ago. And if I felt snarky, that was only most of the time. But if I felt snarky, I would even be bold enough to remind everyone, oh, it's true, people. Most good Western theology is really from Africa. It's true. You can look it up. But you know, that is not even my favorite Mother Vic story. 
See, my favorite Mother Vic story is the one she would tell about April 12, 1980. It is the one where she would sit back and calmly remind you that her husband, our father and grandfather, our uncle and brother, our cousin and pastor, our mentor and friend, that her husband was William Richard Talbert Jr., president of the Republic of Liberia. She might tell you that he was a president caught in between two worlds, which president isn't. On one side of Talbert was his immediate family, Liberia's so-called American Liberians, we the descendants of American-born slaves who earned their freedom in the South, but then sailed back home to Africa and started the country of Liberia. But on the other side was over 90% of all other Liberians, native Africans who were there before we, the American Liberians, ever got there. And after 100 plus years, the majority of Liberians were sick and tired of the rule of these so-called elites. It didn't help that the country's staple food, rice, was now at the center of riots in the streets and, and arguments in our living rooms. President William Richard Talbert, who had, who had been hailed by his own American Liberian family as too progressive in letting peasants now have too much power. And then also by the other side, by, by the indigenous Liberians who said, no, 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 you're too conservative. We have been waiting 100 plus years and you're not doing enough. President Talbert was in the middle. And on April 12, 1980, everything reached a breaking point. While putting the final touches on a speech he was scheduled to give for the centennial celebration of the Liberian Baptist and Missionary Convention, a celebration of 100 years of God's work through the Liberian Baptist Church. While working on the speech, the president and the first lady, Mother Vic, lay in bed. As they lay in bed, Mother Vic remembered hearing multiple gunshots, gunshots that seemed to sound much too close. Yet the president assured her, there's nothing to fear. It is probably just an exercise of the military barracks a few miles away. But the shots only grew louder and seemingly closer and closer. And there was screaming, and now there was some wailing. See, as the president and first lady lay in bed, a coup d'etat was coming to their door. A group of soldiers had attacked the executive mansion, our equivalent of the White House. And these military men proved much too strong for a late-night secret service, which in a country was previously known for its lack of violence and lack of any real military involvement. The military against the secret service. Now see, this is where the story gets ever more interesting. See, when the story gets interesting for us, because it only really begins when the soldiers reach the presidential bedroom. This armed military junta, with only one thing left to do, make their revolution complete by assassinating the sitting president. The story gets ever more interesting when they reach the presidential bedroom to do just that. But what they find is not just the president and the first lady. What they find is Uncle Willie and Mother Vic. See, in Liberia, every elder woman is your mother. So as a boy, I never had to worry about not helping an elderly woman across the street. Because if I did it, every single person who saw such disrespectful behavior would have a right to let me know my wrong. Take with that what that means. I'm being recorded. I don't want people to get arrested. We'll just say it like that, right? They can do whatever they want to, to get me on the right track. See, in our country, in our culture, matriarchs deserved respect. 
So the matriarchs I spoke of in my family, they would garner that same respect in every family. And knowing this, Mother Vic stood up to the armed military junta with one simple plea. Have the presidency, let us live. Have and take the presidency, let us live. Yet as she pled her case, a case heard by murderous so-called revolutionaries, think about that for a second. A group that came to kill, a group that had killed, a group that would kill some more, paused their plans to hear from Mother Vic. That was the power of matriarchs in our society. Yet as she pled, as she pled for the survival of both she and her husband, Uncle Willie rose quietly from bed and walked into his closet. It's at this point in the story where you're allowed to say, wait, what? Men have killed, men are killing, men will kill, and men are here to kill you. And you go for a stroll into the closet. I mean, everybody likes to look good, but this might not be the time and place for it. If that was your reaction, then good. That would make you very normal. Then again, it was also the reaction of all the soldiers in the room. So there's that, right? But here's the thing. Mother Vic, she simply thought that the love of her life, that her husband in the 67th year of his life had lost his mind. With the attack on his home, with the cold-blooded murder of political allies and family, with the murder of people all around him, and with the murderers now in the bedroom, Mother Vic thought the old man had finally lost his mind. And there he was, peering all around his walk-in closet, looking for what seemed like forever, looking for what no one knows. But then he emerges. William Richard Talbot Jr., president of the Republic of Liberia, emerges from the closet wearing a perfectly tailored, traditional white Liberian dress suit. He walks out, and now everyone's convinced. The assassins and his wife, they are all now convinced the old man has really lost his mind. At this, one of the assassins, maybe a little shocked, and maybe even a little bit amused, the assassins ask, hey man, old man, why are you doing here? Hey, old man, do you know why we are here? The assassin was intimating the obvious. We are revolutionaries who have come to set the people free by shedding your blood. We have come to take the country by force. We have come to kill you, Mr. President. Hey, man, old man, you know why we here? Hey, old man. Do you know why we are here? And at this, at this, the old man, the president, Uncle Willie, steps up and says, I am going to see my Lord Jesus today. I just wanted to look good. Wow. I'm going to see my Lord Jesus today. I just wanted to look good. With assassins there sent to, to send him on to the life to come. The old man, the president, my Uncle Willie steps up and says, I'm going to see my Lord Jesus today. I just wanted to look good. Sisters and brothers in our family, that became, that became how we identified. That became how, and it, became, and it still remains to this day, it remains how our family has defined reliance on God for our generation and every generation to come. I'm going to see my king today. I just want to look good. In the presence of his enemies, in the valley of the shadow of death, the old man dressed in a white suit, he looked his assassins in the eyes and he said, I'm going to see my king, my Lord Jesus Christ today. I just want it to look good. And those were his last words.
Now, I know pretty much every one of the billions of us who are alive in the world today will never know such a fate. Assassins will never enter our bedrooms to shed our blood for their revolution. William R. Talbert was my mother's uncle. He was my mother's, um, her mother's brother, so it would be yeah, her uncle. And that is probably as close as I ever will come to his fate, I hope. However, however, his story and fate is one that I believe can encourage all of us in the faith this morning. His death, which for him was not an assassination, but the chance to graciously enter into heaven and dine with Jesus. The kind of faith and reliance on God and God alone, that is the heart of what we, the brethren in Christ, believe when we say we confess our dependence on God for everything and seek to deepen our intimacy with him by living prayerfully. In fact, let us just read that together as it's up on the screen. Please read with me. Relying on God, we confess our dependence on God for everything and seek to deepen our intimacy with him by living prayerfully. This morning, we are together going to explore and learn our next Brethren in Christ core value, relying on God. Again, this is part of our continuing effort to learn what it means to be Brethren in Christ, to continue to examine these core values, the beliefs that make us who we are, to learn the truths that we desire to always be self-evident among us, the essence of who God has called us to be before him and before our world. Like I've stated before, knowing our history, that's only the first part of learning what it means to be brethren in Christ. The second part is learning our values and knowing our values, knowing the things we hold dear, knowing the truths we live to set forth, knowing the central beliefs that make us who we are. My goal again this morning is for us to examine these beliefs that are so etched into our DNA that they encompass who we are as the brethren in Christ. Our core values were born of the Holy Spirit and with reliance on God. They were born after studying his scriptures together. They were born after prayerfully together seeking insights from God in how he has revealed himself to us in our history, but also right now in our world. This morning, we'll examine that 10th core value, relying on God. Now, the great irony of the 10th core value of the brethren in Christ is that we go ahead and we list this core value last. We list it last. Relying on God is the 10th core value. However, looking over at the other core values, who can experience God's love forever and who can experience God's ever-saving mercy and grace without relying on God? Who can believe the Bible without relying on God? Who can follow Jesus or belong to the body of Christ, our community of faith, without relying on God? Who can worship God without relying on God? Who can, who can witness to the world? Who can serve compassionately in this world? Who can live to be peacemakers or live simply with our eyes focused on Jesus Christ our Lord without relying on God? How can we live out any of our core values, these beliefs that make us who we are, the truths that we desire to always be evident among us, and the essence of who God's called us to be before him and before our world? How can we live out any of those core values without depending on God? Amen? And I suppose if Uncle Willie's homecoming on that fateful night on April 12, 1980, is perhaps where we want to end up that when we reach our end, when we reach the end of our days, that we can have so much reliance on God that we can sit up and even look anything in the eye, look Satan even in the eye, look death in the eye, and we can say, no weapon formed against us prospered. 
No enemy who attacked us achieved any victory, and nothing, not death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither present nor future, nor any powers, nor anything else in all of creation, nothing, nothing, nothing will be able to separate us from the love of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen? If that is the end that we strive for, and through the power of the Holy Spirit make our destiny, if that is the future we work for in this journey we call life, then sisters and brothers, our first step on that journey is recognizing that we can do nothing, nothing, nothing without complete reliance on God. Amen? And I think our opening text, those familiar verses from Proverbs chapter 3, I think verses 5 and 6 there, if that's the end goal, I think verses 5 and 6 explain how exactly right now, how in this moment, how in our everyday scenes, those verses have for us the key to building our reliance on God. Amen? The teacher begins in Proverbs 3, verse 5, by instructing us to first trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And there the Lord goes again, asking for your heart. What the ancient Jews and first Christians would have understood as all of you. You're, you know, in our culture, we think of heart as something emotional and gushy and all that. When it says heart in the Bible, it's all of you. Your entire life and being, your mind, your heart, your body, your soul, your desire, your appetite, your creativity, your intellect, your gift, your skills, your abilities, your treasures, your blessings, all of you. God wants all of you. Amen. And how do we grow in reliance on God? We grow by first giving him all of our heart. To follow God means you have to give him your heart. You have to give him your entire life and being. You know, we might have learned something different. We think sometimes following God is a prayer we say. And those of us who are a little bit more trying to be Christian, we say it's the life we try to live. You know what it means to be a Christian? It means you have to give him your heart. You have to give him everything, everything. We grow by first giving him our heart. You have to give him your entire soul, your entire life and being, your entire mind, your entire body. You have to give him every desire. You have to give him everything your appetite for. You have to give him your creativity, your intellect, your skills, your gifts, your blessings. What it means to follow Jesus is you have to give him your heart. How do we grow in reliance on God? You have to be willing to gift him all of you. You have to give God your heart. And when you give God your heart, when you give God all of you, how much easier it is to trust him. You see, when God has all of you, there's nothing you're holding on to. When God has all of you, there's nothing holding you back. When you give God everything, you're freed. And whoever the son sets free is free indeed. Amen. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. So the first step in growing in our everyday reliance on God is to give him your heart, to give God all of you. Now, if this is the first step to gift God your heart, because after all of you, it becomes easier to trust him, ever easier to trust God. One, and this is the other thing about trusting God and giving me all of us. We must be reminded, because I think we forget, that God is the one who loves us. That God is the one who works for good for us. That God is the one who works not just some of the time or part time, but God is the one who works in all things, all things, all things. God is the one who works in all things for our good. That's why we give him our heart. Then the second step is not leaning on our own understanding. Amen? And there's the rub, isn't it? That's a little Willie Shakespeare for you scholars out there. Some of you know him as Shakespeare. 
There's the rub. Not leaning on your own understanding must mean that we're leaning on someone or something else. Not leaning on your own understanding is hard. It's impossibly difficult if you think about it. Because why? Because for far, 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 far too long, we've started to know. And we've started to believe. And we've started to think. And we've started to live as if we are the ones who know best. Lean not on your own understanding is impossibly difficult because quite often we like being the center of our own universes. And here's the thing, we're gracious with that too. We even love being the center of other people's universes too. But you see, our own understanding often betrays us. It betrays us because it makes us self-focused. It betrays us because it makes us self-idolaters. It betrays us because it makes us worship our family instead of worshiping God. It betrays us because it is not who God has created us to be. And quite often, it betrays even our sisters and brothers because our own understanding spends more time living and fighting for me instead of loving and blessing for we. It spends more time looking out for me and mine instead of serving and working for all of ours. If we want to grow in reliance on God, we must learn and continually fight to depend on him and his understanding while saying goodbye to these fleshly desires that seem to so easily ensnare us. Oh, it's impossible. It's terribly hard. But sisters and brothers, we're reminded by Scripture, by Jesus himself, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Amen? And we are blessed, sisters and brothers. We are blessed because the Holy Spirit has come down. The Holy Spirit is here as our teacher and guide. We must learn to heed and to hear and to listen and to submit to the Holy Spirit. Amen? And sisters and brothers, we are blessed. We are blessed because we also have the Holy Scriptures given by God the Father to tell us where we fit into his story, the great big meta-narrative, and how we can now partner with him to make Jesus' kingdom come. That should excite every one of us, that the God of the universe who spoke the world into existence has reached down and now wants to partner with you to make his kingdom come. Amen? We must learn to hear from God as we study and submit to his word. You know, a lot of us, well, I'll take that back. Some of us read the scriptures. A lot of us try to live the scriptures. But you know what? All of us need to submit to the scriptures. Amen? And sisters and brothers, we are blessed. We are blessed because we have a great cloud of witnesses, believers in our God who have walked many of our same roads. And in our postmodern, or I don't know if it's post-postmodern, one of the young people can tell me. I'm 32. I can call you young now. We might be in this postmodern humanist world. I don't know what it is. But in our postmodern humanist world that says, I think, and my personal experience, that's what matters the most, reliance on God says no. No. No, my child. Reliance on God says that we need each other. And we are blessed with each other. See, it's not that your voice and your experience doesn't matter. It's more like your voice and your experience is made whole, is made complete, is made perfect. And most of all, it's made holy when it submits to the Lord our God and submits to the community of faith of yesterday and today. We often start with, what do I think? The question should be, what does Jesus think? What have the Christians thought? What is going on? What do we say? What can we submit to? The world says, I think matters the most. Our Bible and reliance on God says, no, 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 no. Jesus is the center of our universe. Amen? 
See, this is why I'm convinced that if you want to grow in reliance on God, you have to always have relationships with others where you are being poured out and relationships where someone's pouring into you. We must serve and be served. We must love and be loved. If you want to grow in reliance on God, we must be the body of Christ. We need to neglect and, and ask for repentance and walk away from silo Christianity. You know what silo Christianity is? It's between me and God. We are not created to be silos. We are not created to be on our own. God blessed us with each other. God blessed us with the community of faith. You are not meant to walk this road alone. That's bad theology. Even worse than that, that is not honoring to God. You are meant to need one another. You are meant to walk together. You are meant to be a family, a family of faith. You know, as a church, I think we serve and we serve well, but we can do better. You know, I think as a church, we pour out and we're being poured out, but we can do better. You know, I think we can do better by finding more places that we can serve and grow in this community of faith, both in and outside the church. Personally, and this is just for me, personally, I think we should never, ever have a shortage of volunteers for any of the ministries of this church. Why? Because we can always do better and because we are better together and because everybody's got to get into the fight. Everybody's got to get into the race. We shouldn't be pleading and asking you to join in. You should be willing to join in because we are better together. And more than that, we need one another. Amen? Personally, I think every single person who comes to this church on a Sunday morning, every single person should be in a small group. Every single person should be in a life group, a fellowship group. They should be in a group of Christians where they love and can be loved. They should be in a group where they can grow and help others grow. They should be in a group where they can serve and help serve others. Why? Because we need each other. I silo Christianity says, I will worry about me and mine. We need to start being Christians, Christ ones. We need to start being the people who journey together. We need walking with one another hand in hand. Life groups should not be a great idea or a great ministry of the church. Life groups should be how you're walking together with God. We need each other. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him. And some of your Bibles say acknowledge. We'll get to that. And he will make your path straight. And some of your Bibles say direct. We'll get to that. So if the first step in growing in our everyday reliance on God is to give him your heart, is to give God all of you. If the first step is to give God your heart, because after he has all of you, it's easier to give him the rest, right? There's nothing left to give. If that's the first step, then the second step has to be not leaning on your own understanding. It has to be leaning on God and keeping Jesus at the center of our worlds and not we ourselves. It means we have to get in the habit of leaning on one another and not our silo Christianity. For we are blessed. Sisters and brothers, hear me on this. We are blessed. We are blessed. We are blessed with each other and we're created to bless one another. And you can't do that if you're in a silo. We need one another, amen? We must grow in reliance on God by leaning on him and the community of faith he has blessed us with. And I think the final step is to submit to God in all things. You know, the older English text used to say, in all your ways acknowledge him. And while that was very faithful to the Old Testament language, the word used there was yada. Does mean to acknowledge. However, in our culture, acknowledgement might simply mean, oh, hey, nice to see you. Acknowledge God. You know, it's like, in our culture, it's like, thanks for coming. Great to see you. See you next week. 
But let's be honest, for too long, for far, 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 far too long, we have just acknowledged God in our lives. Oh, Jesus, thanks for this food. I remember this time. Oh, God, thanks for my many blessings. You're cool. Holy Spirit, you're invited to come in. That's my favorite one. We believe that God's everywhere. Yet when we come into his house, we invite him in. Holy Spirit, thanks for coming. We acknowledge you. Please come here. Yeah, that probably hurt some feelings, but it's true. Matthew 18. We live to acknowledge God. And I think if we just keep the text, yada, it does mean to acknowledge. But I think if we want to be faithful to what the teaching and the understanding to those first Christians was, we move past what the word looks like. And we go to what the actual teaching was. Because if we want to be faithful to that Old Testament teaching of that word, yada, the correct translation and understanding is, in all your ways, submit to him. Submit. Not some of the times. All the time. Submit. Not when you feel like you're on the easy stuff. Jesus, you died on the cross for my sins. I'll submit to that. Love my enemies, that's a little hard. You know, Jesus, you know, you have this community of faith where people love and understand me. That's great. But the person who doesn't look like me and invite into my home, that's a little hard. You know? Submit. You know, one of the things I love about the Brethren in Christ is when we finally compiled our history 40 years ago. So it's probably outdated, right? A little bit. When we first compiled our history, we had a book called The Quest of Piety and Obedience. And I love that title because if you want to summarize the brethren in Christ, there's two things you can summarize us by. The first one is piety. The idea is that we want to be holy. We want to live like Jesus. We want to be like Jesus. We want when people see us to be reminded of Jesus. Now that sounds great. The other word's a little bit harder. Because the brethren in Christ said the quest for piety and obedience. That means submit. That means that what the church says we submit to. That means that what the scripture says we submit to. That means that what we find in the scriptures we submit to. And that's hard because we like to bring into the scripture what it says. But to take that step back and submit to it, that is who we are as brethren in Christ. We live a quest to be like Jesus and we live a quest to submit to Jesus. Amen? In all your ways, submit to Jesus is a little bit bigger of an ask. See, we've gotten very good at acknowledging God. Some of us even acknowledge God in all we do. But the ask here is not to simply acknowledge God. No, not at all. In Proverbs 3, the clear understanding of the first believers was simply in everything. Not some of the things. In everything. Not when you feel like it. But in everything, submit to God. How do we grow and keep relying on God? Give everything to him. How do we grow and keep relying on God? Surrender. Surrender it all. Surrender it all. Surrender it all. Always to him. Amen? I think because we've gotten so good at acknowledging God instead of submitting to him, we have gotten so good that we have become a people who chase God's will. As if it's some, you know, intangible, undiscoverable treasure, you know. One of the blessings of being pastors, you get to have this conversation a lot. What is God's will for me? That's a great question. It's a great question. But here's the thing. The scripture here reminds us, in all your ways, submit to him. And he will direct and make your path straight. See, the ancients, the ancients had kings. And the job of the kings was to make paths straight. See, after the rainy season, large stones would fall from the hills and onto the road. Mud, stick, little stones, obstacles, challenges, everything was on the path of the traveler. It made getting from Jerusalem to Jericho real hard. 
And that's not even counting the robbers who were there. And the expectation, and hear me on this, the expectation was that the king, the king who the people pledged their loyalty to, the expectation was that the king would direct their paths, that the king would be the one who made all the stones large and small, who made all the sticks, who made all the mud. The king would ensure that all challenges and obstacles were cleared out of their way and that the people could travel along on the journey. See, this is where they're coming from in Proverbs 3. This is where the scripture is coming from. The teacher reminds us this morning that if we submit to God in all our ways and in everything, he will make our path straight. For God is king. And if we pledge our loyalty to king, if we pledge our loyalty to God, if we pledge our loyalty to Jesus, and if we give our hearts to him, then God, our king, will clear out every single obstacle from our way. God, our king, will make our path straight. Amen? And this is why when we look at God's will, it is not some intangible thing. It is not some undiscoverable treasure because, sisters and brothers, when we submit all things to God, when we pledge our hearts and all of ourselves to God, when we lean on Christ and his body that he's blessed us with, God directs our paths. Amen? When we acknowledge God, we worry about whether to go right or whether to go left. You know, I'm going to put this in a book someday and all you're going to buy it and it's going to be great. It's how we're going to get some grass around this building somehow, I promise. But since it's been recorded, now we can sue somebody when they take this idea. But God gave it to us, so if it's for his glory, we'll let it slide. When we acknowledge God, we worry about whether we go right. I got to get this backwards because you guys are facing me. Whether we go right or go left. When we submit and surrender to God, we realize, though, that it's not about our choice. It is not about this decision, this big decision you have to make. It's not about going right or going left. No, it is always about, always about, always about whether your heart is right with God and whether your heart still belongs to God. Because if my heart's right with God and if it fully belongs to him, I can choose to go right. And guess what? God will bless it. But hear me on this. If I go left when I was supposed to go right, guess what? <laughs> God, if he has my heart, if I'm justified by him, if my heart still belongs to Jesus and I'm supposed to go right but I go left, God will say, child, you went left. But my goal was to go right. But do not worry, child. Why? Because I am God who's king. I am the one who make your crooked path straight. I am the one who clears the obstacles. You went left when you were supposed to go right. I am powerful enough. If you belong to me, I am powerful enough to put you on that right road. Amen? I'm powerful enough to clear your paths so that you can continue your journey back home to me. And then the other thing, I didn't put it in the third service, so second, first service, so maybe we can record this one, is that the other thing that's fascinating about choices in life, right? You go right, he blesses you. You go left, if that's not what he brings you back in. The other thing that's fascinating is God will then use you to help someone else who's in that same exact situation. It's amazing how our God works. Sisters and brothers, we must rely on God. This is just not, you know, a brethren in Christ core value. This is the secret to living for God's glory. And not, it's the secret to make Christ's kingdom come. It's the secret to make his will be done. It's the secret to on earth as in heaven that he prayed that we live. 
sisters and brothers, let us rely on God. Let us grow in reliance on God. Let us rely on God now and forever. I'm going to ask Brother Bart to come up, and we're going to get ready for our closing song. I'm going to ask the intercessors to come up as well. Please stand and sing along. And I just want us to be reminded by one thing as we close, as we sing this song. We must rely on God by giving our hearts to him. We must rely on God by giving all of ourselves. Sisters and brothers, this is not just for Harrisburg Brethren Christ Church. This is for every single person who calls Jesus Lord. My prayer is that we can rely on God by leaning on Christ, that we can rely on God by leaning on the Spirit, that we can rely on God by leaning on the community of faith that he's blessed us with. Let us rely on God by submitting to him in all our ways. God is our king. God is our Lord. He makes crooked paths straight. You don't have to worry about seeking God's will. Just worry about your heart and giving it to him. Just worry about not leaning on your own understanding. Just worry about submitting to God in all things. Amen? Amen. All to Jesus I surrender.